All right. All right. We're on. Here we go. Thank you, brother. Okay. <clears throat> Excuse me. I have a little bit of a a hard time talking. I was at the Simpson football game yesterday, and at halftime was about ready to, uh, you know, use my last two years of eligibility to get out on that field, but uh, I'm old. I'm too old to do that. <laughs> uh, no, they, they did well the second half, so that's, that's actually why my voice is so hoarse. Um, so that was fun. Do I have any helpers to help hand out? I, I realize I just sent one of my helpers out to do something. Um, the, the sheets are right up here, so sorry I didn't get that to you beforehand. And then I think there's mics elsewhere. Appreciate it. Thank you. All right. So, frequent drinks. Today we're talking about the spiritual discipline of evangelism. And just uh, by way of reminder, and maybe for those that, that are joining us um, after some time, we're, we're, we're modeling all of our sections after a book titled The Spiritual Disciplines by Donald Whitney and The Spiritual Disciplines for the Christian by Donald Whitney. And this is the, the section that focuses on evangelism. So what is evangelism? That's really the first question that we want to, to ask, right? So we have a, a good idea. <clears throat> I think we might need more. It looks like, um, sorry about that. So I think Scott's going to go make some copies. Uh, forgive me. I wasn't sure exactly what, what numbers to expect. Given that we had Jeremy's ABF kind of, or the post um, sermon ABF going on. I figured our numbers would be a little lower, but happy to see all the faces here. So praise the Lord for that. Um, so what is evangelism? I realize those who, you know, want to write it down, I can, I can um, refer to, to the definition, really short one, uh, later. So succinctly, what is evangelism? It's to proclaim the gospel, to proclaim the gospel. And um, to just to add a little more uh, meat to that, I'll, I'll also quote Donald Whitney's um, definition or reference to it, faithfully relating the essential elements of God's salvation through Jesus Christ. Proclaiming the gospel or faithfully relating the essential elements of God's salvation through Jesus Christ. That's evangelism. And we are all called to evangelism. We'll get to that. As an aside, just before we step in, I wanted to make the point that the most powerful witness to evangelism, to our Lord and Savior, is not only living God's word, but also speaking God's word. And that's where, where we'll get into a little bit of, of that today, this morning. Not only living God's word, but speaking God's word. You know, uh, I forget the quote, but um, it's something like, you know, actions speak louder than words, or, or uh, that's what it is. Um, reminds me of our time at Simpson. Share the gospel with all and if necessary, use words, something like that. Did I get it quite right? Um, and that's, that's, that's not the evangelism. Yes, you have to have a, a, a godly life that, that strengthens and is a, is a powerful testimony. However, you have to speak. But let's not neglect that there is um, the other side of the same coin, that our, our witness can be negatively affected by 
um, our lack of living out God's word. So um, if you think that, that, that maybe your evangelism um, is somewhat hindered because, you know, you have this ongoing dispute with your neighbor about where the property line is or you've got bad relations with your manager and you could never share the gospel with them because, you know, they see the, the dark side of you. And if you, if you feel that that's you, that you've had any of those things kind of standing in the way of, of your opportunity to share, the, share God's truth, the truth about Jesus Christ with, with an individual, then I would say repent, turn from that. Uh, because we're called to be holy as he is holy. So um, consider the successful growth of the early church in Acts, right? What was a powerful witness to their, their testimony uh, was their, their holy living. And, and consider the, the extent to which the Lord himself intervened in the holiness of his church in Ananias and Sapphira, Right? Um, you, you think about that, you look at that, and you say, wow, that's intense. Well, yeah, it's in, intense for a reason. And God wanted to make a statement that his church is to be holy as he is holy. And then right after that, I'll just read um, the section right after that, what happened in light of, of that. Because you would think, oh, man, that would be a buzzkill for evangelism if you started to like kill people in the church. Now many signs and wonders were regularly done among the people by the hands of the apostles, and all were together in Solomon's portico. This is uh, 12 through 16 of, of Acts chapter 5, if you wanted to follow along. Verse 13, none of the rest dared to join them. So there was like a weightiness to, to joining them. But the people held them in high esteem. And more than ever, believers were added to the Lord, multitudes of both men and women. Right after the Lord disciplined um, to, uh, or a, a man and his wife for, uh, for not being honest and withholding. So consider that as, as, as we get into you know, evangelism and the spiritual discipline uh, to discipline ourselves for evangelism, that, that there may be a, a, a prior need to um, confess to the Lord things, to, to repent, to turn to uh, maybe your, your neighbor, your physical neighbor, um, and, and say, I'm sorry for mowing over your roses or something. I don't know. Uh, use, use the opportunities to um, remove every obstacle uh, for the presentation of the gospel so that you might, not only in your words but also with your life, um, present the gospel, share the gospel, evangelize. So now we're, that was our definition. I'll say it again because I know some have received a sheet of paper since then. To proclaim the gospel succinct but also, as Whitney says it, faithfully relating the essential elements of God's salvation through Jesus Christ. Common objectives. Uh, let's look at a few of these. And after I go through these three or four, um, I'll, I'll ask you guys. So be thinking of, of other common objectives or <laughs> objections. Did I say objections? Common objections to um, people's, you know, people's common objections to not evangelizing. First, I don't want to be viewed as weird. Does anyone, anyone ever feel like that? I don't want to be viewed as an outcast or, or viewed as one of those um, you know, crazy, crazy Christians. Or, or uh, what is it that Pastor Pat was called? One of those born-againers um, um, in his message. Well, this is a losing battle. Right? Amen. Christians will always be viewed as weird or strange to the outside world. Um, let me remind you that the unbeliever 
will always view us as weird and foolish because the natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit. Second, or 1 Corinthians 2.14. They do not accept or receive um, things of the Spirit of God. So it's a losing battle if we, if we don't want to evangelize because we don't want to look weird because you always look weird. <laughs> what your message, what you have to say is completely against, you know, um, and, and more so I feel like we, it's just abundantly clear this day and age um, how people feel about, you know, the, the truth claims of the gospel. Also, you know, Another um, maybe uh, fuel to to fight against, you know, wanting to look weird is who cares? <laughs> I mean, honestly, who cares whether or not you look weird? We serve Christ, and we know that um, we fear Him and not man. Consider this: I am. This is Paul speaking in Galatians one ten. For am I now seeking the approval of man or of God? If I were seeking the approval, or am I trying to please man? If I were trying to please man, I would not be a servant or a slave of Christ. So remember your, your position, your calling, brothers and sisters. We're not meant to be people pleasers. We're not called to be those that are well-liked in the world or, or well-received. We may at times have that position and, and um, people may view us you know, in that manner. We read about that in, in Acts, right? Even after Ananias and Sapphira were killed, they, 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 there was some hesitancy to, to join in with this, but they still held the people in high esteem. So yeah, you may, for a period of time, experience that, um, but uh, you will also experience persecution or, or slander or, or name-calling or the like for sharing your faith, for being you know, genuine. You won't, I, um, I remind you, you, you likely won't face that sort of persecution if all you do is live a Christian life without saying anything about the truth claims of the gospel. Back to our, our previous point. Another motivation in the direction of, you know, um, this objection that I don't want to be viewed as weird or, or foolish or anything like that. Um, you may think that I don't want to look like John the Baptist, right? That dude was odd and, um, a little bit out of the you know normal flow of co- culture. And At this think, point, Pat, what, what does your support like look like? You do you have to, a, you know say repent? You and, know, ten churches. Do you have fifty churches? Where where is your support um, coming from for your ministry? Jesus's earthly estimation of John was right. What did Jesus say about John the Baptist? Truly, this is Matthew eleven eleven. Truly, among or sorry, truly I say to you, among those born of women, there has risen none greater than John the Baptist. No one greater than John the Baptist. So yeah, he was out in the wilderness eating locusts and honey, and I'm not saying that that has to be your attempt to you know, strengthen your, 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 your walk with the Lord so that you might as well go out and evangelize, but um, certainly if we, if we hesitate when we read over people like John the Baptist, like, oh, man. He was an outcast. We'll just call him an outsider. Um, consider that, that Jesus said there's, there's no one greater than John the Baptist, born of women. Uh, second objection. I don't have training. Pause for a drink. Or I don't know exactly what to say. Same, same token. I don't have training. I don't know what to say. Um, let, me, let me encourage you that the method or strategy that you use for evangelism is not the most important thing. 
There are many, many methods and strategies to evangelism. Many, many moons ago, we, we led a, an ABF here at the church. I think it was an ABF anyway, um, for the way of the master, an, an evangelistic uh, attempt or strategy for uh, evangelism by Ray Comfort and the dude from the movie, Kurt Cameron. Thank you. Um, and there are, there are many other strategies and attempts um, that involve, you know, things you do, things you say, etc. That's not important. What's most important is that you evangelize, that you, that you discipline yourself to go out and evangelize. Disciplining yourself to faithfully communicate uh, the gospel. What about that like how many kids go through your camp not in the summer times? Can you talk a little bit about attendance just to get an idea? To, to help us um, in, in, be encouraged in that direction. But you don't need training. What's important is that you do it. And you discipline yourself to do it. This may require that you take up the spiritual discipline of learning. We talked about that last week. Um, Elder Jake um, helped remind us of that, of that and give us practical um, ways and steps, for, step for, steps forward. Yeah, if you feel like, man, I, I could really benefit from some structure, like I, I'm, I'm, I want to do this, but I, you know, I just don't feel like I know exactly how to do it, that's fine. Take, take up something that, that can help give you the confidence to, you know, go and communicate. But the important thing is that you do, you go, and you communicate the truths of the gospel with others. Third objection, I don't have enough time. Anyone ever feel like that? <laughs> right? Um, I certainly know um, le- le- uh, legitimately there's a lot of time that, for instance, the at-home mothers don't have to go out and evangelize. Um, um, I don't know that firsthand, but I know that uh, by being one with one who is. Um, so I, I, I know that there are many others who, you know, you know are in different spheres and, and uh, different places that, that feel like, man, there's just no time that I can carve out or think of uh, to go and do this activity. Um, just remember that we're called to do this. This is, this is part of our, our call here on this earth. And, and so my encouragement to you would be, therefore, go and discipline yourself to do this. Find different ways and different opportunities. And we'll get to some practical examples, but, you know, just to encourage you um, um, and lightly maybe admonish you is, is that this is what the Lord has placed us here for. So if you're caught up in, in you know, business endeavors or you're caught up in you know things that involve extracurricular things that you do outside of work um, pr- you know consider the proper place for all things and and discipline yourself to make time and to to learn how to go out and um, and evangelize for the fourth and final before I get to other objections um, so those who have mics can get ready um, fourth and final that I've come up with is, is it's not my spiritual gift. Anyone ever heard that before? Those, some have that spiritual gift of evangelism. Not I, Greg, or, or whomever. Um, but I, I will you know, submit to you that there are those that have the spiritual gift of evangelism. I, well, when I've, I think, when, I've listened to, to is, the reports Philip, from some right, of Philip the... And, 
in, counselors. In, uh, in Acts, it seems you know, like you God's guys come from these, all you know, over. How do you? Um, others, and, where and are they former? In such a way that he brings uh, them to this camp, Ethiopian eunuch campers, who's reading the scriptures the, aloud, um, and Philip evangelizes. Or he how do takes you that opportunity to share the truth of God staff. to help. Um, this Ethiopian come to faith and then the Lord snatches them up and sends them elsewhere. He's on a mission. Um, and then I also think of people like Billy Graham, right? Um, the late Billy Graham who, who certainly had this kind of office, if you will, of, of evangelists and, and was, was committed and, and devoted to this effort to, you know, to, to bring God's word, his truth, the gospel um, all, all across the world and, and in many different ways and places. However, again, you may not be an evangelist, but we are all called to proclaim the gospel. We'll get to um, the ending of each of the, uh, each of the gospels, have a reminder for us there. Um, but I'll, I'll also just encourage you with what Paul says. You know, we have been reconciled. Amen. Anyone thankful that the Lord has reconciled you to himself? Um, so therefore, you have this ministry then of reconciliation, is what Paul says. So, so we have we have a part in what God did for us to bring that also to to others. But let's turn to Matthew uh, chapter twenty-eight, familiar passages, I'm sure, to all of you, um, and read to to just get a fresh reminder that this this task for evangelism isn't meant for evangelist but is in, in, indeed meant for all of us. Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 and 20. I'll read uh, 18, 19, and 20. And Jesus came and said, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Mark sixteen 15. We'll just be flipping right to the ends of, of all of the Gospels. Luke 24 next and John yeah, 20 after and, that. Uh, Mark 16, verse To answer 15. like where we come from a lot of times, and Jesus said, and I live 10 minutes them, away from camp, go and that's how I got to know it. And actually, like, to the whole I lived at that place for a while, Luke chapter and I was about 46 11 when I first heard about camp, and then I came as a camper. And But, like, Essa, he's been going his whole Luke life 24, as a 46 to 47, and, uh, and then he opened he, their he minds to the understanding summer. of the scriptures, and, and he said so to them, thus it is written that Christ should suffer, grew up at camp, suffer, but then also we do a lot of recruiting at colleges, at Bible and colleges, and, and, and so I go to Faith Baptist Bible College right now, in his and name to uh, all nations thankfully in the past few years they've become a little bit more open with allowing us to come and recruit there, and so we've had four or five staff members in the past two or three years that have been from there. And uh, my older sister, Brianna, some of you might know her. Uh, John chapter 20. She, she uh, also works there, but 21. she goes to faith as well. And then we've had a lot of students from Emmaus over the past them, years. A lot of my counselors when you. I was a camper as came the from Emmaus. Sent me, um, so and we've I am recruited at Moody and, we can go and other schools. And, and, uh, and also get further encouragement and to take really, this 
this gospel. Some people may have come from different schools of thought in some ways, but it's really encouraging that we can all be united in the gospel of Christ. Let me remind you that the audience that heard that has been very beneficial for my own life, learning uh, just the foundational truths of Scripture. Did not, and that's actually even been helpful for me in college. It's not just a Pat would totally agree with me on this. It's not just an investment in the campers. It's also very much an investment in the staff. But the church can carry that on. Like the my life would be very different if I hadn't the entire world. had the experiences that I've had at camp. And other objections that um, you know of, maybe self-condemning yourself a little, of uh, why others don't go and share the gospel, evangelize. Scott has a mic. I've been trained to wait thirty seconds. We have Jeremy over here, and then we have Zach. Yep. I've, I've heard some people before speak of it like there's two types of Christians, you know, on-fire Christians who evangelize and do other things, and then there's uh, normal Christians. So then you put yourself – I don't obviously I don't agree with it, but I've had people approach it like there's two types of Christians, the Christians who actually obey the commands of the Bible and the rest of us. Back and then – then we have Priscina. There's several schools over, for instance, in uh, the Ohio, Indiana quarter there. Especially when uh, thinking about finally recruiting like Cedarville University, if you're familiar with that at all, and Taylor University. There's several over that way that you can go to, and uh, they have special staff recruitment days. Yeah, both both neglecting the uh, responsibility of every believer to do this. It's like, oh, I evangelize. Yeah, fifty dollars a month. <laughs> um, I would just like to offer an objective, but then also like to make a statement. I absolutely love this subject. Um, fear. A lot of people use fear that they're you know afraid to do it or speak, and. Um, I just want to make a statement about my, about my beloved late husband, Mark Anthony Rogers Sr. He had an amazing gift for evangelism. And, um, yeah, so he just had a way of doing it where it wasn't like he was going out evangelizing, but his life was just evangelizing. You know what I'm saying? Like you might think he's just coming to get an oil change at the place. Next thing you know, you're being ministered to. <laughs> so I love that. Fragrance of the aroma of Christ. Amen. Praise the Lord. We have Dana and then Donna. I think the biggest problem is also the world is against it. So when people try to evangelize, they are told this is not the place to share uh, God. Or you can't share this. I don't, I don't, like when you start talking about it, like in public place, they would tell you to not, this is not a place. So a lot of times people are just afraid to get go against the rules of the public place. 
That's true. Yeah, you have this societal pressure, you know, trying to conform you to their image of what a Christian is, and that can stay inside the four walls of the church or whatever, but uh, never shall it um, enter outside in the, into the wild, if you will. Donna? I was just going to say, um, oh, I'm going to mess up. I'm not going to have the right words. I'm going to turn them off. I'm not going to you know, I'm not going to say what I'm supposed to say, but if we just stop and pray and ask God to give us the words, it it does work pretty good. <laughs> and yeah, and I and I intend to make a comment about how these spiritual disciplines have a relationship to one another. And I think you bring up a good point. Yeah, I also intend to touch on that point, too. Um, it sh- there should be a flow one to the other, right? Whether, whether you're doing the discipleship or if, like, you're in, uh, you live in Iowa and you go visit your family in Miami and you happen to, you know, share the gospel with someone in Miami, you can't, you know, I mean, you can do Bible studies over the phone, but what you want to do is you want to connect them to a church. And I think that that's a very large and overlooked aspect of what, you know, evangelism, the the follow up to evangelism should be. It's not just like, hey, I'm just going to, you know, you know, share the gospel with you and, and, you know, maybe exchange numbers with you, but never, you know, talk to you again, which I am absolutely guilty of. Um, But it's, it's, it's with the intention of, of, of discipleship, of, of getting them involved in the local church so that they can be a true and a full believer and not just a, oh, I heard, you know, there's a lot of bad consequences to just thinking that evangelism is, is sharing the word once and forgetting about it. Did you have a follow-up? Or? Amen. The latter, right? <laughs> I think, I don't know. Is that a question? <laughs> yeah. Yep. Good. Stacy. Another uh, objection is that sharing the gospel causes division and can cause uh, major strife within the family, especially. That well. I know. And there's a lot of tension to even want to break those familial bonds. And I know that you've, you've walked that road. But um, the Lord gives grace, and, and we, we are um, you know, part of a family, if you will. And when we become part of that family, your, who is your mother and brother and sister and, and, and father? Probably said it in the wrong order, but... Um, it's those who, you know, who are in the body, and so you are being faithful, and, and it's difficult. I know exactly what you mean. Um, it's difficult, and that can be something that we tell ourselves, like, I just want to go to holiday functions and be at peace. Like, why do we have to, why does it have to be this tension? Why do we have to, like, be, you know, at each other's throats and, and not talking to each other? Like, I want to talk to my family, um, but I know if I do this, I know that they're not going to want to talk to me, um, 
So you're, you're battling, you know, two realities and, and which one will win out. And I think we know the answer, but it, it doesn't make it no less a, a, a difficulty or a, an objection that we, we bring up and need to overcome, speak truth to, to overcome. Christina again. Amen. Amen. And maybe some of you, like me, have been in the process of discipleship and realized that it's evangelism. Um, that comes about, too. But yes, you're right in this distinction that the, 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 the initial presentation of the gospel, um, which has happened in my life before I came to faith, multiple times, multiple, right, um, uh, com- communications of the truths of the gospel, um, and then faith and then following up with a uh, discipleship Dana again also i think like another thing is like we don't trust the holy spirit uh within us because the holy spirit says like he's going to give us the right words to say um at that moment so a lot of times we're afraid that we won't know how to answer back if they have a question or if they're like trying to battle you a lot of times they will start saying, like, but this and this and this, and we're afraid to, like, not be prepared or, like, we're afraid that what we said was wrong. But the Holy Spirit indwells in us, so I believe that God will give, uh, like, the Holy Spirit will give us the right words. Amen. And, and the true power of the gospel is not in our presentation of it. We're just presenting truth at, at, at the at the bare bones of what evangelism is. It's, is it's communicating? What did we say earlier? Just you know, proclaiming the gospel. That's our responsibility. Whether or not that person gets saved, don't don't ever think that that falls on you. Um, the Lord, He He deals in that realm. The Holy Spirit is the one who gives life, breathes, and blows where it wishes. And you don't know where it's coming or where it's going, and yet you see a life you know, um, change to someone, someone turning and receiving the gospel and you say, amen, but how will they believe if they have never heard? And I think that's where we're called. That's, that's where, you know, the feet on the ground is. How beautiful are the feet of those that bring the good news. Amen. I'm going to tra- go ahead, Bennett. And then, uh, and then if it's all right with everyone, we'll transition to the rest. Yes. Was that your only question? Because you only get one, Bennett. <laughs> okay, go ahead.
I'm not quite sure I caught the give God words. Is that what you said? Well, let's let's continue on, and maybe I'll repeat myself since I'm neither repetitive nor redundant. So there's no no chance of that. Um, you know that certainly won't happen. I'm not sure, but if you, I will come back to you at the very end. And if you think that I said it again or needs further clarification, I'll I'll get to it, Bennett. Sorry about that. Okay. It's. I said what it, what the definition of evangelism is. Faithfully, I'll, I'll read it again. Faithfully relating the essential elements of God's salvation through Jesus Christ. That's our call in evangelism, our task in evangelism. Let's move on to two examples from the Bible. Um, they just happen to be found in the Gospel of John. It's a great gospel. Let's turn there and take a look. We won't read the, the whole thing. I'll kind of just kind of hop, jump around it. But let's go first to the, the woman at the well in John 4. The woman at the well in John 4. It takes up most of the chapter. <clears throat> Excuse me. And most of us are familiar with this story, right? Jesus approaches the woman at the well, has this conversation with her. They go, you know, a few places in this conversation, and then she leaves, right? The disciples come back. And let's pick it up in um, verse 28. So the woman left her water jar and went away into the into the town and said to the people, "Come and see a man who told me all that I ever did. Can this be the Christ?" And they went out of the town and were coming to him. So she leaves her purpose for coming to the well, right, to go get water. And she's, she's struck. She's um, in awe. She believes who this man is. And she goes and she tells her townspeople, what do we know about the woman of the well? Let me just say it out loud. We don't need a mic. Right? She's had what? Multiple husbands, right? And the man that she's with now is currently not her husband. So we're not talking of someone with very, you know, reputable kind of, you know, uh, uh, history with the, with the townspeople, right? The townspeople kind of know who this lady is, and um, she's, got a, she's got baggage, if you will. But she goes, and she wholeheartedly goes and, and, and proclaims the gospel to her townspeople. And let's just look, let's zero in on verse 39 and see what reception was that received or was received. Many Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me all that I ever did. So even though her past was previously a, a, a tainted one, she went out and proclaimed the gospel, the good news of who this Savior was, and the town received her. So even if you've got to work through some things with your manager or your, your, your neighbor about where the property line is, work through those things, but know that none of those things, none of the, the maybe the mean things that you might have said about them or, or even the, the, the sins that you've committed against your, your neighbor, friend, manager, whatever, coworker in the past, uh, family in the past, none of those things um, will stand in the way, or should stand in the way, I should say, of you sharing the gospel with them. 
because part of the gospel is that no one is perfect. Everyone is, is in need of a Savior. And so if you go and you share that gospel with them, even though they know some really, you know, dirty things about you, and I'm thinking of family specifically um, here, that you go and you share the gospel with them, and part of your testimony is that you are changed. And when they see that, now there's further, like I said earlier, um, this kind of strengthens your testimony, strengthens your witness, is that you are no longer the person that you once were, but now you are a believer, and they can sense that fragrance, that aroma, if you go and you speak to them. If you, if you give opportunity uh, for the Spirit to work, all you have to be faithful to do is to go and share that word. Let's also consider the blind man. A real quick hop through uh, chapter 9. I love the story of the blind man. Um, in the end, we're, in, we're now in a teaching section-ish comment section. This is the man born blind. So, yep. This is the man born blind, and Jesus heals him. And so Jesus heals him, and you would think, man, this is great, right? Jesus healed this man born blind. Never since the world began has anyone ever done anything like this. Um, And the Pharisees and the Jews think that this needs to be further investigated because clearly it can't be because it came from someone that they don't respect or recognize, et cetera, et cetera. So they bring this blind man uh, before the Jews, the Pharisees, and they kind of have this back and forth of them asking him questions. And, and what I want to point out is I think it's pretty clear that this blind man d- didn't get his doctorate, right, or his, his MDiv in, in evangelism. He was not prepared for this encounter but what does he do here? And, and we, we even find out that he doesn't even completely know who Jesus is yet because Jesus comes to him afterwards um, and, um, and, and, and maybe it's because he didn't quite see him uh, beforehand. But, but Jesus comes to him afterwards and reveals himself to this blind man. So the blind man doesn't, doesn't even fully, fully understand who Jesus is. And yet when he's brought before the council, what does he do? proclaims the truth, right? All, all he does is say the truth. And they're like, no, that can't be true. And he's like, no, no, really, this is what happened. And they're like, no, no, he, see, we, we know this guy and it can't be him. So let's pick it up in verse 25. You know, whether he is a sinner, I do not know. But one thing I do know that I was blind and now I see. I was blind, and now I see. That can be your testimony as you're sharing the gospel. You don't have to, as, as Dana pointed out, you don't have to overcome every objection or, or you know, get into all these debates about you know, uh, the, the, the origins of the earth and this, that, and the other, or all these theological terms. You don't have to be prepared for all of that. All you need to do is be faithful to say, I once was a sinner, hated God, against him, and he changed me. And now I love him and I live for him. And I want you to know that he is good and that he can be trusted and should be trusted with your faith. That's all. It's simple. You don't need, you don't need education for that. You just need to act in faith. Practical section. Um, be disciplined to go out and evangelize, right? 
That's, that's, that's my encouragement for you today, is be disciplined to go out and evangelize. It may take, um, you know, picking up some, 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 some training if you, if, if you, you know, think that that's needed. It may be having a brother or sister that you think is, is you know, engaged in those things and, and having them come along with you or just having conversations with them. There's all sorts of evangelism. There's door-to-door, street preaching, walking through a crowd with tracks, you know, talking over a meal. I've engaged in all of those and... You know, the, the ones that I land on most frequently, I think, are those that are better fit for my personality. Not everyone is like me. That's okay. But that you are engaged in evangelism and disciplined to, you know, find out where that works for you is important. Allison is not like me, right? I mean, that's, if that isn't abundantly clear, let me just say that again. Allison is not, doesn't have my kind of personality. But what does she do? Well, she frees up our home to, to have students from Simpson Inn. She, you know, makes meals. She, you know, um, allows me to, to go and to, um, you know, um, attend these, these protests and these walks after, you know, the difficult events of last year so that I can go and, you know, interact with, with people but she frees me up to do that. So there's, there's, there's multiple ways to be involved in this ministry. Um, I think that uh, Whitney calls it like the planning and the, 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 the speaking kind of twofold thing. Um, and we need to be involved in both. We shouldn't just be planners and we shouldn't just be speakers. We need to be involved in both. But find your, your, your niche and, and serve in that way. Do not be discouraged. There's two ways to be discouraged in evangelism, right? <clears throat> Or at least I will say two ways. Uh, you can feel like you don't know what you're doing. You don't know what to do. You don't know, um, you know, how to go about it. Well, again, pick up, take up the discipline of learning and learn, you know, um, through reading your Bible. I mean, this is, this is, I forget who mentioned it earlier, but this is where all of the, you know, as we mentioned earlier in this series, this is where all of the spiritual disciplines really, you know, have this relation to one another and they strengthen one another. Your Bible intake will inform your evangelism as you see examples of it, as you see and understand who God is and you go out and you can't help but tell others about that. Um, your prayer time, amen, Priscina, will, will instruct, will, will help and should surround your, your evangelism, both for opportunity and for the ones that you have had opportunity to speak to. And also uh, learning can can hate the discipline to, of learning can aid your evangelism and that's just scratching the surface your efforts are not successful that's another um, way to be discouraged but brothers and sisters don't feel as if you know any believer or any person coming to faith is on your shoulders uh, be careful not to judge your efforts by the reception of the person or people that you're speaking to that's the lord's work leave it to the lord um and just be faithful in what he has called us to do. Another uh, thing that can um, be dis- st- another uh, to- topic for not being discouraged is, is talk with others who have worked through situations um, like one that you're in and can give you instruction and, and uh, maybe point you to resources. Another practical tip is don't avoid it, right? This is for all of us. I'd be repeating myself to to say more there. Um, I also wanted to add a few extra sections. Try to avoid Christian terms 
you know, when you, you know, when you can, because they might be confusing. So, you, you know, you might say, oh, he's provided propitiation for us. Well, if you're talking to someone who's never heard that word before, it's really not going to be that helpful. So speak when you're sharing the gospel, speak, you know, at the level of the people that you're with um, to, to help make it more, what do they say, sticky. Um, also help the new believer find a church. That's another um, added point that I thought would be helpful and we talked about that before but that should be the aim and the goal is yes go out and evangelize but then also you know tell them the truths of the gospel and bring them to a place where they can flourish and where God has has called them Um, this should this should not be neglected this should be at the forefront of our minds when we go out and evangelize the Bible has a lot to say about evangelism a lot of models for us about evangelism we talked about the Ethiopian eunuch and Philip and how he had this you know, miraculous opportunity. Maybe you won't be walking down the street and hearing something, someone quote the, you know, Isaiah, but if you are disciplined, you can put yourself in the path of, of others and, and, and share, you know, based on whatever opportunities, whatever life situations, whatever events that are going on, there are opportunities. Um, be disciplined to find them. We don't know what the response will be, and we're only in charge of going out and being disciplined to evangelize and and proclaim the gospel. I like Whitney's analogy um, of the mailman, right? The mailman is responsible for one thing. He's got one job. That's delivering the mail. The the contents of the mail, you know, all of that are are left up to someone else. But he goes and he delivers the mail, and and he's judged on his faithfulness by whether or not you got your, and you want your mail, unless you don't want your mail. Um, So that's Whitney's analogy. Uh, there are ways to serve and be involved in this. There's Awana, there's camp ministry that, um, that Pastor Pat talked about today. And I, I could go through many, many more to put yourself in the path of unbelievers. But be faithful to, to go out and to, um, to be disciplined to take up this work. Because it is our work. It is the work that the Lord has left us here for. And um, there's great joy in it, right? There's much rejoicing in heaven when one sinner repents. And we get to participate in that if we're faithful to do so. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for uh, this reminder and even this kind of um, shot on the cheek here um, for not being faithful in this activity. Help us, Lord, to encourage each other. Help us to have renewed vigor for, for your truth and for the, the, the care of, of your opinion of us and not the opinion of man. And help us to go out and overcome all of these objections that we talked about through your spirit, through your word, um, and share the message of how you came into, into our world and you've provided a way that we might be made right with the Father. In your name we pray, amen.